Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the podcast today, we have Diana Cregan. Diana, welcome. Thank you. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, So I'm in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm a career coach who is really dedicated to supporting those women who put their career on pause to stay home and raise a family to get back to the workforce. It's often incredibly overwhelming uh, and a real struggle to even understand where to begin. And having been in that situation myself and then combining my recruitment background as well as my coaching for um, executive and career and life coaching, that was the, the end point of of all of that experience and all of that work, that there was such a need to support these women. Well, the topic of discussion today, um, if you're still happy to talk about it, is confidence. Happy mm, to talk sure. about that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, if, if you're talking about it, and I, I mean, I already know it's, it's an issue, uh, but it, mm. it kind of um, highlights a problem. So why do you think mm. that confidence is a problem uh, in, in society? Well, in society in general, uh, a big part of it, I think, comes down to uh, expectations and understanding of our expectations and where these come from. Uh, and if we feel like we're working towards a particular outcome that is set for us or that we are unwittingly setting for ourselves, if we don't feel like we can achieve it, then we start to feel like we don't have the capacity for it and our confidence starts to diminish. When it comes to you know, confidence in the mums that I work with, it's, it's a really fascinating scenario that I see played out over and over again because even though they may have come from really successful backgrounds, successful doing anything, you know, any kind of commercial role that they had, once they step away from that, it's it's not even dependent on how long because you would think maybe someone who's been out of the workforce is lacking confidence so much more than someone who's only been out 8 or 12 months. But, in fact, it's almost exactly the same. They say the same things, they experience the same feelings and they're, they're living the same journey over and over again. And for them, because they all kind of benchmark that has been around them in a commercial sense, you know, whether it's performance reviews, annual reviews, client feedback, peer feedback, you, when you're working, you have a sense of where you fit in the world. And then when you're at home, for however long that period is, any kind of benchmark is gone. So you're kind of operating in a vacuum and you tend not to think about going back to work until you do. And then when you do think about going back, there's absolutely a vacuum. You've got no way of assessing where and how you could possibly fit in. And then all of the internal chatter starts up about it's been too long, you don't have anything to contribute, no one would want you, you're too old, too much time has passed, uh, and those confidence levels simply become more and more eroded. And particularly if they start to go down the path of doing what they think they should be doing to get back to work, which is you know fairly traditional methods of going back to work, um, it's just not going to work from um, returning to the workforce. And so that confidence just gets diminishes even further. Mm. Well, um. I, in my message to you before we um, started on the call, um, I I sort of said, would you like to discuss confidence forward slash self-esteem? Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think it's worth uh, asking about whether you make a distinction between those two. So how do you feel about the differences, if there are differences? Um, I know that people use them interchangeably anyway, but do you think there's a difference between those two? Well, it's a really good question, Thomas. Um, They often are used interchangeably, and there's no doubt that they are inextricably linked. Um, Is there a difference? Well, I think confidence and self-confidence is made up of probably more than just self-esteem, that self-esteem is a part of confidence. So I think you can take a particular path to build confidence and you can take additional paths to build self-esteem. So, yes, I think there's possibly a a distinction between the two, but I, I do think they are inextricably linked. Yeah. Okay. Well, part of your answer, at least to um, the first question, I felt was there's an element of external expectations um, Mm. that's either put on someone or uh, it's perceived that they're there. So Mm. how much do you think that it is actual expectations from other people versus Mm. um, what I refer to and others refer to sometimes as self-imposed limitations? Uh, What do you think the balance is there? Oh, 100%. It's internal. Even if there are external um, expectations placed upon us that we are working towards, it's how we feel about ourselves is going to impact our confidence levels. So I actually think that, you know, confidence is is not an externally driven um, marker. It's, it is entirely internally driven, which is what I, you know, I worked so hard for my mums to understand that, because it is an internally driven level, it is something that they can have control over and it is something that they can build upon even with the most small building blocks. They actually have the capacity to build their confidence regardless of the external environment around them. So I completely concur. It's whilst we might think that when people do and say things that give our confidence a bit of a battering, uh, it's actually our response to that situation. It's what's happening on the inside of us that actually leads to our sense of confidence and self-esteem. Mm, I agree. So mostly you're saying it's, it's basically all within our control to manage that. Yeah, just our, our response, our reaction to whatever the situation, environment, person, circumstance is. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. And um, do you think some of what you're... Uh, what your skills are and what you teach do you think that applies to any time outside of a workplace so for example if someone had a a gap between one job and another let's say they were out of work for six months or something do you think Mm. that the confidence stuff would all still apply yes I do yeah I do I think because I look at look at it through a very particular lens in terms of the mums and the very uh, common experiences that they that they face um, you know, that's who I talk to. But yes, I do. I do. I think it's, it could really is universally applied to everyone in terms of how they can take control of their own internal sense of self. Yeah. Okay. So if someone were to say, I'm planning to go back, uh, but I've got like major doubts, I've got self-esteem issues or confidence issues. Um, mm-hmm. What other, what are the few things that you would recommend that they do or um, what is, what's your advice there to that person? Well, I think as I do with all of my all of my mums, um, and it would be applicable to everyone, is really have a very strong sense of self, of who you are. 
And, you know, I often talk about the fact that some people really resist the introspective work when they're looking for work or they're looking for a role or to get back to the workforce because I kind of think it's a bit of a waste of time and a bit naff. Uh, but ultimately, they're going to come back. They're actually going to come back to work this stuff out if they're looking for a fulfilling job. Now, if they're just looking for work, paid work, um, you know, and they simply need money to put food on the table, that's a different conversation because their needs are being met entirely differently. But if they're actually looking for work in which they are hoping to seek fulfilment, reward, challenge, personal growth, if they're looking for work that's going to make them feel good about themselves, it's really important that they have an understanding of who they are and who they are is a combination of all sorts of things, um, you know, your, your values, um, what's important to you, what you would defend, what would you fight for, um, things that bring you joy. Understanding who you are is really important because once you understand who you are, then you can combine it with what are my skill sets? What am I really good at? What have I done in the past? Where have I excelled? Where's the evidence for that? Where's the data? And these are some of the exercises that I take my clients through. Let's actually pull out all the data that demonstrates skills, strengths, experiences, and let's identify which ones are functional, which ones are behaviourable, what's transferable, and then try and look at, okay, well, with all of this information, how do we then make sure that the things that we want to do are going to be meeting these other elements about who we are you know will I be able to meet my values live to my values in this particular sort of environment or fulfilling this particular type of role because if they're if they're not congruent then that sense of um, you know right right place uh, with the right people and that will cause internal conflict and ultimately you won't be satisfied in the role so the first thing is really to be working out who am I? What is it that I want? What am I good at? Where am I going? We remove all the obstacles and then we set a path forward to actually achieve that. But the upfront work is really important. Even if people put it off, they'll come back to it. So how does someone go about determining what their values are? Well, there's some really terrific online tools. I'm particularly uh, fond of viacharacter.org. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. It's been around for a really long time. Um, it's a free survey. You can pay for an additional survey, but to be honest, the free one that it spits back out after you've filled out all of the information on a questionnaire is really helpful because it helps you articulate all this stuff that's on the inside that perhaps you don't talk about very often. So I really, I really um, recommend that one as a starting place. It's a great place to start. Um, what else to identify values? Look at things in your life that bring you joy, things that you um, will draw a line in the sand over, something that you will defend, something that you will fight for, um, and then it's identifying why. What is it about that circumstance? Why did it trigger such a strong emotion? What is it about that circumstance? Let's dig a bit deeper into into what that what is that saying? You know, what's that saying about you? Um, what else do I like? Um, there's a terrific book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an Expletive. <laughs> I think it's Mark Ransom, I think. Um, the title is really flippant and designed to be provocative, 
but it's actually a fabulous read. It's a fast read. I think I read it on a flight um, between continents um, and I really got tremendous value from it. And I, I tell all of my clients that it's a very quick read, but it really boils down this notion of you've got to understand who you are and what it is that you want in the world because then that will actually give you the direction. That will give you the focus to keep moving forward strategically. So there are a few, a few ideas. Good. Thank you for that. And um, what do um, what would you advise someone do if their values are different than the work that they're going to go back to? Well, the first thing that I would probably ask them is, is there a way that you can live your values in that work environment? Because sometimes it's about the way we see things or the way we see people or circumstances. You know, can we actually reframe it differently so that we can find a way that it is going to be living more in alignment or it's just going to cause less conflict? Conflict is often a clash of values. So once you start to identify your own values, and then you can start to try and work out what other people's values might be that might help you navigate that particular circumstance. If it's something that is so fundamentally the antithesis of what you stand for, then I would suggest that we find somewhere else or we find a different role or a different way of fulfilling that role so it is in alignment. But more often than not, it's the way we perceive or view the situation. So it's thinking about it differently, approaching the circumstances differently. But if you haven't gone back yet, you know, let's do a lot of pre-work first before we start having conversations with people about potential jobs. It's all the pre-work again. Good point. Um, I know that you said like the majority of it is um, internal rather than external, Mm. but is there Mm. anything that employers can do to um, help let's say, returning mums or any anyone who's had a job gap, for example, is there anything that employers can do to make that easier? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, great question. Um, and I would love to see it more, even people in their current jobs, not necessarily even returning to work, but in their current jobs. Clear communication around expectations around a role. What is it that we are looking for in this role? What is it that we are looking for you to achieve in this role? How competent at this point are you in fulfilling this? How competent do you want to be? Or is there some training that we can do um, when you go back to help you support and, you know, build a bridge between where you're at and where you need to be? Um, And just ongoing conversations around it. I think, you know, we started out by talking about expectations and that's often it. There are these expectations out there in the ether and we've got to kind of guess them. But if everyone was just a little bit more clear in their communication, their expectations of individuals and roles and functions, I think life would be a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. I, I do think people um, think that they're more transparent than they are. Mm. Um, and in reality, you know, other people don't really know what you want and vice versa, right? Yeah, oh, I completely agree. And you know, my background, um, a big part of my background is in emotional intelligence, which you know I just find endlessly fascinating. Um, but that's exactly that point, Thomas. <laughs> People think that they're being really clear and communicating, and and they're just not. <laughs> they just haven't found a way of being able to do it really effectively yet. Uh, and so it's helping people, you know, be able to do that more effectively with their own people and their own families, to be honest. That's a, that's a great place to start. But that's a whole, that's a whole different conversation. 
Have you um, struggled with this yourself or is it just something that you find that you're good at? That you, it was just the reason that you teach it? The, the confidence and the self-esteem or the emotional intelligence or? Uh, the, the former. So, um, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why I can speak to this, um, you know, helping mums get back to work is that I can absolutely speak to it. I have um, a very varied background and for much of my career I would look back and think, what on earth is the connection between all of these dots? Uh, and then I left the workforce. Um, my husband and I moved 13 times for his work career and that took us from Australia to Kansas to Texas and then eventually we resettled in Australia. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do next. I knew I didn't want to go back to an old career and I was really stuck. And so I actually saw a career coach uh, and that's what put me on the path of professional development. And then I, you know, retrained and went into coaching. And and then as I was moving through my coaching experience, um, I just kept coming across more and more of these women who were exactly like me. You know, I felt that they were competent and skilled with so much energy and life yet to live and give, surely I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in motherhood. There's got to be more than this. But how do I go back? So when I was attracting this woman over and over again, I was like, my gosh, you know, there just needs to be a really simple path process for women to follow. And that's why I created it because I can absolutely speak to it. Yeah. Did you, was your um, way of learning it a little bit um because if you're figuring it out yourself, it can also almost be like um, making lots of mistakes and sort of uh, blazing a trail of your own in order to teach it. What was that like mm. for you? Look, I've, I've been very lucky. Um, part of my background, uh, I was working for a professional development company, not as a trainer, but actually on the operations and general management side. So I had a really good window into the world of professional development and a big part of that was teaching people a lot of these mindset things that, you know, I work with my mums with. So I had a really good exposure in the past and then when I retrained as a coach and then I went through my own career coaching, there were all sorts of different threads coming together. I think the benefit of working with the mums that I work with is that that information um, just grows and expands because it's much bigger than my experience. You know, it's every other mum's experience that I can weave into it. So um, certainly learnt a lot from all sorts of different processes, but also the mums that I work with, yeah. Okay. Do you feel like there are any misconceptions around confidence? Well, I think the big one is probably where we started, um, that people – think that it's really as a result of external things that have happened around them. Uh, and the the risk of that mindset is that they that they don't make the choice to take responsibility for their own emotional well-being and incompetence obviously plays heavily into that. So I think that's probably the biggest one that it's it's an external thing. Mm. Secondly, that it can only be increased by external things and so teaching them that it's actually very much an internal thing uh, and that there are, you know, fundamental, basic, straightforward steps and processes that you can do to build that confidence. You know, once you have an understanding of, you know, what fear is in its most, you know, raw kind of sense, the subtlety of fear in terms of, you know, fear of judgment, fear of rejection, these fears that are very human 
once people understand how that plays into their everyday life and how that erodes their confidence without them even realising, once you start to empower them with knowledge, they can actually start to take steps. So it's a matter of teaching them the principles and the concepts and then giving them the activities um, to actually for them to, to undertake and do that they will almost straight away start to see their confidence levels build. So I think it's getting them to see that you don't just get confidence from going back to work and doing the job. Yes, that will help because that's mastery and mastery feeds into confidence. Um, but there's actually a lot you can do before you even step foot back into a work environment. Mm. Well, you mentioned um, fear. It's a topic which lots of people are interested in, um, and mm. you said realising what it is. So what, what, is, what is fear in your opinion? In my mind? Well, you know, we talk about the fact that fear originally was really designed in our, in our beings as a survival mechanism. But what we need to understand, that there's a difference between fear and danger. You know, danger might be real, but fear is not always real. And fear presents in people's lives in so many ways that they are simply not aware of. And they're not aware how much it impacts their thinking, their decision-making, the choices that they make. Um, so for me, it's about getting my mums to see just how much fear plays a part in their life and getting them to recognise it and starting to to pivot away from that kind of mindset that's really unhelpful and doesn't serve. So I think fear, whilst it can be helpful uh, and, you know, there's a place for it, it's really starting to have a level of self-awareness that you can start to think, well, actually, is that a helpful thing for me to be saying to myself or is that actually really not? You know, people talk about public speaking, you know, that it's absolutely terrifying and they're completely, they're worried they're just going to fall off the stage and drop dead. Well, realistically, they're not going to die from public speaking. Yes, it might be nerve-wracking. Yes, they might break into a square. There are all sorts of minor things that can go wrong, but they're actually not going to die. And that that kind of, um, you know, that difference between fear and danger, that's kind of an example that public speaking is not a danger. It's a fear, but it's actually not real. You're not going to die from it. So it's kind of teaching them um, actually the power that they have over their thoughts. Have you got any mentors that have um, shared this information with you at all? Oh, gosh. I mean, look, I do a ton of reading. Um my time in the professional development company was really helpful because there was just always lots of material. Um, I love people like, you know, Brene Brown, uh, Amy Cuddy I'm a big fan of. I don't know if you're familiar with Amy Cuddy. She's also terrific. She does a great 15-minute TED Talk, um, which is all about our physiology and confidence and the connection between our mind and our physiology and actually which one is influencing which. It's a great TED Talk. I highly recommend that one. Um, gosh, I'm reading all the time. But any one particular person? No, it's across the board. It's across the board, I think. Lots of mentors. That's the best way yeah. to be, probably, isn't it? Yeah. So that you're not um, regurgitating one person's point. Yeah, one person's philosophies online. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, you mentioned some of the strategies that uh, you can practically apply. Um, mm. If you if you did, let's say someone came up to you and they're like, I'm really struggling with my, with my confidence at the moment, is there anything that springs to mind for you where you'd be like, I'll just try this and maybe it might make things a little bit easier for you? 
Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues that I find uh, with confidence, certainly with my mums, is that they spend so much time in their head thinking and worrying about things that it overtakes everything and they actually don't do anything. They're just, they're just in their head all the time. So what I get them to do is actually do very practical exercises, a lot of writing kind of stuff, but things like, um, you know, go back to your last job once you sit down. What you, what was your job title? Who were you reporting to? What was the area that you're in? What was your function? What was the purpose of your role? And then we start to pull out things like, um, did you ever get a promotion, a raise, some praise, um, some kind of positive reaction from someone? Uh, was there a project that went particularly well? And I really get them to spend some time really reflecting just on and I just get them to start with their most recent job because you can go back as far as you know as you like but the most most recent freshest one is is often easiest and get them to pull out all of these skills that they've actually able to demonstrate so we look at what what went well and then we look at why did it why did it go so well what was it about that circumstance that allowed you to feel successful and give you the success that you had wanted or sought or that came to you, and then again pull it apart even further. What skills exactly was I demonstrating? Was it functional, technical kind of skills? Were they behavioural skills? And really get them to see in black and white and provide the data for their brain so that the next time the brain says to them, look, you just don't have any skills. Like you've got nothing to offer anymore. There's nothing there. Well, we can actually change that. So that confirmation bias, you know, as a human, we look to confirm what we believe to be true already. So what what's happening is if you don't have any evidence around you of the skills that you have, then the brain just keeps pulling out. We don't have any skills. You've got nothing there. But when you go through this exercise and it's in black and white and you were given a promotion or a raise or praise or something, then actually there must be something there. There must be a bit more depth there than I remember. And then we go back further into their past. So in the end, we've got a whole pile of transferable skills that are functional and behavioural that they can pull forward into their next role. That's a, that's probably where I start. Sort of like um visualization exercise. Would you say that's accurate? Well, yeah, yeah. But again, out of their head. I just want to get them out of their head because it's really easy to get trapped in there for hours and hours at a time <laughs> when you're a stay-at-home mum. <laughs> but not even realise that you're doing it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And you don't realise you're stuck. You know, lots lots of women come to me and it's they say, I just I just feel stuck. I just don't know how to move forward. And it's because they just don't know where to start. So let's start with something really concrete that gives them an immediate sense of, Oh yeah, I was good at that. I could do that. I was actually really good at that. And those skills, yes, okay, some of them might be a bit rusty, particularly if they're technical skills, but you know, you can always do some retraining. As I often say to my clients, what appear as insurmountable, insurmountable obstacles are often just logistics. So let's just work out the logistics and get you past that, that they can see straight away when they go through these sorts of exercises that actually there's a lot there. They've got a lot to contribute. Mm. There's also a um, self-development principle that um, I don't know whether it's the same thing, but it, it seems like it might be at least familiar, mm. and that is what you focus on you get more of. So um, if you're constantly focusing on the fact that you don't have any skills, then that's going to be kind of what you focus on and what you get more of. And if you focus on all the good things that you've done, then you're likely to do more good things. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree, Thomas. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Is there anything else that you think, um, say, mums would worry about going back to the workplace? Oh, gosh, the list is as long as my arm of the things that they can worry about. Um, I think expectations is possibly the most important one, that they're worried they're going to let people down, that they're not going to be good enough. Um, so I, I try and get them to have not too many expectations other than those that they've articulated um, about going back, uh, that they they have a clear awareness of what it is that not only is their boss expecting or whoever it is that they're working with, what those expectations are in the workplace, but what are their expectations of themselves? Let's be really clear about what it is that you want from this um, because that helps also set up boundaries and that sort of thing. Um, but just getting them to, to understand that it's a process, you know, and the first job going back, Look, it might not be perfect. It probably won't be perfect. But as long as we're using all the information from the past, we can move forward. You know, the past is not a predictor of the future, but we can certainly use the past to navigate what we're doing moving forward. So just getting them to see that, you know, every step is a good step. As long as we're going forward, it's a good step. Do you um, have any clients that are like um, thinking about time away from little ones? So like oh. how, how much uh, how much time that they're spending away from their from their kids basically? Oh, you mean um, when they do go back to work? Yeah. Oh yes, because another big um, mindset, I suppose, issue that we deal with is guilt. You know, mums do guilt really well. Lots of people do guilt really well, but mums are particularly good at guilt. Uh, and one of the things that they do feel guilty about is a abandoning the family and be abandoning their kids, that somehow they're being self-indulgent, um, that they don't have, a, you know, the right to go back to work, they should be at home, there's that word should, all of obligations. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of conversation around that. That's often a really big hurdle for a lot of mums. So it's really talking through to them, A, going back to their values, what's really important to you, so how do we make sure that that's going to be in alignment? Um, and then B, helping them see that, if they want to go back to work, that they have the right to go back to work, that the more fulfilled they are as a human being, the happier they will be and therefore their, their relationship with their kids, their relationship with their whole household will actually benefit. You know, a happy mum is a happy household um, as, you know, as long as there's not a disparity again between expectations between the household and the mum. But when she is fulfilled and she is happy, she is showing her kids that a mum can go back to work. So I actually think it's a really important conversation for mums to be to be having because it's not about abandoning their family. It's actually about giving back even more to their family. We all want our sons and daughters to see that when they get old, when they get married, when they have a family, they can stay home. But they also have the right to go back to work if they if they choose to do so. It does like come back to um, the values again, doesn't it? So, um, mm. do you mind um, just in case people missed it? What's the site that you that you recommended? Via character, so it's v i a character via character dot org. Okay. Yeah, values um, is su- it's just such an important place to start because that thread just runs through the whole the whole process. 
like start starting off with the right i don't know um going in the right direction for what your values are yeah applying all those things that um i don't know strategies but you're going in the wrong direction then eventually you're going to end up unhappy probably <laughs> That's exactly right. And you'll come right back. It might take 10, 15 years, but you'll come right back to the beginning and try to understand yourself. <laughs> um, what are some of the other common, um, let's say, concerns or worries that you come across? Oh, for mums, another really big one is how are they going to make it work in the household? Like how on earth are they going to be able to juggle being a mum as well as being a working person? Uh, and that comes back to logistics. A big part of it is logistics. And, you know, a lot of mums when they come on board, they, they get anxious because, you know, I say, look, I'm going to take you on a 90-day journey. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, I'm not ready to go back to work in 90 days. It's too soon. It's like, well, no, I'm just going to set you up. But in that 90 days, you'll know exactly what it is that you have to do. You can actually make this as fast or slow as you want and you can make it full-time work, part-time work casual work, volunteer work, like choose your own adventure. You know, this is your life. So it's getting them past that sense of going back to work equals chaos at home. My kids are not ready. My husband or my wife is not ready. The school is not ready. It's working all this stuff out before. So by the time you start going back to work, you might decide you just want to go back two days a week. Okay, well, before we go down that path, how's it going to look? Let's map out the logistics. Let's look at who's doing what chores in the house. We've got, you know, if you want to go back in six months, we've got six months to teach Johnny how to make his own bed. We've got Sarah, three months to learn how to make a lunch. You know, it's, as I said before, often these obstacles which appear just so terrible and so terrifying are often just logistics and it's a matter of working and trying planning it out. Mm, a lot of prep. So essentially you'd help people go, and go through that process. Yeah, yeah, just because everyone's obstacle is going to look slightly different because their lens on the world is going to be slightly different. So it's working through with them, okay, what's terrifying you the most? Let's work this out. Let's stare this fear right in the face and let's just pull it apart and show you that it's probably not that bad. Hmm. Is there any time that you catch yourself uh, doing some of the old habits? Uh, from being at home as a full-time stay-at-home mummy, mate? Uh, just in in general, so like this, because like the little voice comes in, you know, you you can sometimes catch it, you can sometimes miss it, and then you oh, realise, yeah. oh, I've been I've been talking to myself in the wrong way. Is there any? Oh yeah, all, all the time. <laughs> just because the teacher doesn't mean I, I get it perfectly right myself. Gosh, no, it's it's ongoing. Um, I get I get better at um catching the voice and not letting myself get you know, really in, in a downward spiral. Like at the moment I've got, you know, an issue going on um, that's technology, that's about technology, and it's just absolutely driving me crazy. And, you know, I can feel myself getting really despondent and really frustrated and I just have to catch myself because right now I'm, I'm quite sleep deprived. And I think, well, hang on, this is really exacerbated. My whole mindset's really exacerbated by just how exhausted I am. So let's just take a break and review this again tomorrow with a different eyes and, and start again. So I think it's it's that ability to start to identify, hang on, I can pull this up here. I don't have to keep going down and down. But, oh, yes, gosh, oh, yes, Thomas, I'll leave my own material, don't worry. <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I don't know, unconsciously do or um, have implemented is when you do feel exhausted, when you haven't got mm -hmm. like a very good mm -hmm. night's sleep or you're 
overly stressed is not making any decisions until you yeah. do feel in your right mind. Is there anything, uh, any other coping mechanisms that you use? Oh, I think, I think that's a really, a really good one. Uh, one of mine is expectations. Sometimes I place expectations on myself that I just realize are not, are not helpful. Um, and it's when I'm in the process of realizing that I'm failing really badly, <laughs> but I like to remind myself that I'm failing forward. Uh, and perhaps I need to review these expectations that I've set. So that, that's a big one for me is really, okay. So this idea, this deadline you've given yourself, really, how hard is it? How firm is it? What are the implications if you don't make this date? Isn't really that serious if you just give yourself an extra four days or whatever it is to resolve the issue. Mm. So for me, it's it's being really aware of the expectations that I set for myself. Mm. Yeah, because um, I mean, I, I have quite a tendency to be quite hard on myself, but mm. um, as you say, would it would it make that much of a difference if you extended it out just for, a, for another few days or something? Mm-mm. Yeah, imperfect action too is a really big one. Like, let's just get something done. It's not going to be perfect first time around probably and that's okay but the next iteration will be slightly better and slightly better again so it's not being afraid to to just get it done might not be perfect but it'll be done well um especially if you've got expectations it sounds like you have some goals so Mm. as i said earlier i always ask about goals so would you like to Mm. share your goals with us i think for me um my goals are about Really being able to speak to the the client base that that I'm building in the language that they can really understand, resonate, and connect with, um, so that I can bring more women, you know, into the fold. You know, my goals are all around changing women's lives, like just getting them to see that their life is in their hands, their destiny is in their hands, and I have a, you know, I have a a vehicle for them to be able to do it so my goals are really wrapped around these women and I'm trying to get more of these women into the fold I'm also you know my goals are also around building uh, you know a family and a life with my family that I love living so it's getting that balance right and it's reminding myself okay it is now time to turn it off the laptop and just spend some time you know with my kids who are teenagers and um you know going through their own their own journey so my goal is about getting that you know balance is is not really the right word and I talk about it with my mums all the time it's more integrating like how you integrate being a small business person plus a wife plus a mother how do we get the integrations right so that everyone is thriving as much as they possibly can um, and then my other goals are around my philanthropic work that I do and making sure that I give myself the time and the mind space to do the work that I want to do. So there's, there's all sorts of goals there, but you know, they're probably three big ones. Yeah. So what's the philanthropy that you do? Oh, I'm, I'm part of what's called a giving circle. It's, um, it's a group of women who contribute money which exclusively supports uh, the Australian Red Cross but it's part of a global giving circle that um, is for the Red Cross globally. So I'm, I'm the state chair of that that organisation, and then I'm heavily involved with the school as well, the school community. So I've got two kids at a school, and I'm involved in various different levels at the school to support them where I can. Um, 
and, and give back to what is, you know, a tremendous school environment for not only my kids but for all the kids coming through. Um, so it's varied. It's across a few different things. Well, congratulations on that work. Thanks. Thanks. I is love that, it. Um, it's really important to me. So, you know, the, that's part of the message to the mums that I work with when you're doing your values now, what's really important to you, you don't have to go back full-time. You don't need to go back full-time. You don't have to go back full-time. How do you want to live your life? Because this is your life. Mm. And um, a lot of that stuff's more, maybe not more rewarding, but just as rewarding as any mm. any work, mm. anyway, giving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Is there anything that you feel that um, you want to share that I haven't asked you about today? Gosh, I think we've probably covered it all. You know, the bottom line for me is just I want I just want mums to know that there's actually a very straightforward path to going back to work. It might not seem obvious and it might not seem clear, um, but when they feel completely overwhelmed and stuck and going nowhere and living Groundhog Day, as I call it, um, I just want them to know that there absolutely is a path forward for them. They can do it. Okay. And... Um... You just I just wanted to highlight you've got a confidence workshop and um if, yeah. if anyone wants to go through that. Um what's what does that consist of? Just, just Yeah, so that's that's a free workshop that I run. Um I've got one coming up on the sixth of May. Uh and that's a one hour masterclass. So I take them through we do practical exercises so that at the end of that hour they will already be able to measure a difference in their confidence levels. So I take them through a series of different exercises around their skills, um, around their fears, uh, and around their future kind of steps and the sorts of skills that they think that they might be using. So I get a very practical one-hour session where we get to talk and interact and share our experiences. Okay. And if uh, people wanted to find that and also um, connect with you online, where's the best place for people to find you? Um Probably via my email, Diana, D-I-A-N-A, at backtoworkroadmap.com or my website, www.backtoworkroadmap.com or my Instagram, um, backtowork.coach. And all of those will advertise the Confidence Masterclass that runs regularly so that you know if they miss the 6th of May one there's another one coming up after that sounds good Diana Cregan thank you very much for your time today you are so welcome Thomas it's been such a pleasure